If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's at 8 p.m. <laughs> you thought I didn't know. But we're waiting closely for that. But if you're a side chick, you must hear this as well. The law would not enforce a contract that seeks to promote immorality. This issue that we are talking about is not marriage. It's either fornication or adultery. So even in a Ghanaian society, we cannot even use married, organized, and a customary law to support it. So according to lawyers, this is why you may face challenges or never get compensation if you take your married partner to court. You want to stay for details of that and more here on Newsnight. It's 55 That's our WhatsApp lines. You can also hit us on our social media platforms with the hashtag Newsnight. I am MFA Apau. Hey, my name is Evans Mason. We start tonight uh, with that unfolding story in Boku where there have been more deaths today, more killings in the grim turn of events. A total of ongoing Boku conflict has a surge. A six more lives were claimed in the targeted attack on the bus. Well, the assailants marking the second such bus assault in less than a week left two men and four women dead, unfortunately. Well, this latest incident follows a series of reprisals among the feuding factions since January 12th, contributing to a total death toll of 13. The escalation in violence comes just two days after the Ghana Armed Forces expressed deep concern, highlighting a troubling shift in conflict dynamics with assailants now armed with more sophisticated weapons and the question remains where they get it from and it includes the recent discovery of an rpg in the area that's like, a rocket propelled mm -hmm. grenade in boku and they were hoping to bomb a fuel station in the area well, with that. that's a significant escalation indeed albert sorry is our correspondent on the ground who's uh, uh, his uh, fingers on the pulse there joins us right now uh, albert the, the shooting of this bus where did this latest incident happen so from the information we gathered, this bus was heading from Boku to uh, the Binduri district. Uh, Binduri is just, you know, outside of Boku. It's the very uh, first neighbor when we are heading from Boku to Borga. So the bus was carrying traders, uh, mostly women, to a market in the Binduri district when um, they were attacked. And what is the security situation on the ground tonight? Um, just before this afternoon, we were told, um, uh, in fact, our checks showed that there were a lot of um, soldiers, you know, patrolling on foot, patrolling in vehicles. And a lot of people, you know, thought that the security had been beefed up. It's unfortunate that um, even when this was going on, then the attack took place. We're told that the security have continued to remain on the ground. In fact, this afternoon, many people had to uh, go indoors for fear of getting into trouble with the soldiers shortly after the attack took place. Others were doing it to um, protect themselves for their own security. And those left injured in this bus attack, where are they? How are they faring? Do we know? So from what we are told, two people um, were injured in the attack. 
um, as, as it is, we do not know where they are, um, which of the hospitals, but they should be receiving treatment in one of the hospitals in Boko at the moment. Uh, in, the, in, in the recent attacks, two hospitals um, have been the ones that victims were taken to, which is uh, the private hospital called Vineyard Hospital, and the other one is the Boko Presby Hospital. But as we speak, we do not know which one of these hospitals um, the injured have been admitted uh, in. And, and uh, Albert, this is the second bus attack in a, over a period of four days. Friday was the last time a bus was attacked. People were injured. Then, thankfully, we had no fatalities. Today, we've had six people die. Uh, you have your ears on the ground. Any idea why buses have become the target since the reprisal started? It is most likely because... Um, the security presence in Boko now is very high, so it is difficult for people to perpetrate, you know, shootings, especially during the day in the Boko township. So what they seem to be doing is they observe the movements of people, and if they target you as their enemy and they know that you are in a bus headed for so-and-so place, then they are likely to ambush you on the way. And so, uh, you know, from, from the information that we gather, this could be the reason why this is happening. Abe, thank you very much. And Evans, guess what? This is coming in at a time where there have been increasing calls for a ceasefire and increasing calls for peace in the area. Well, the Peace Council now says they are their wit's end, especially at the level of the region. After trying many strategies in the past to resolve the conflict, Sheikh Karimi Al Shaibu spoke on behalf of the council. Um, situation. Um, we are getting briefing about the breakdown of security, um, targeted killings that are going on. The Regional Peace Council is, if you, if you like, as it's with end to be able to really, really find solution to, the, to this problem. Um, we from the National Peace Council here have traveled uh, on on some several occasions um, to Boku. We have met with the the the, the, the Boku Naba. Uh, we have met with him and the chief of the Mampusi community of also in, in Boku. At the time, our target was to plead with them to cease fire and to allow all the processes put in place to ensure that we are able to find lasting solution to to the problem. Um, it appears to me during the time um, we, we, we got some cooperation. Uh, unfortunately, just not too long after we have done, left the place, um, we heard about a renewed you know, tension where some people were uh, have, been, have been killed. Uh, we made the second attempt. Um, we reached um, Bolga, where we were advised that it was not safe for us to travel to Boko at a time. So we have to remain at Bolga and then fly back and uh, travel back to Tamale and then back to Accra. But before we came, we had a chance to meet the regional police commander who also gave us um, some briefing about exactly the situation down there. Um, one of the things that he told us, which we find very, very disturbing, is about the availability of sophisticated weapons. Uh, that availability itself uh, serves like a motivation. The source of those sophisticated weapons, we are unable to tell where they are coming from. We also were aware that there was what we call the Boko uh, Inter-Ethnic Peace Committee. Mm -hmm. At the time we traveled uh, to Boko, um, we were, it was in session, very operational. But afterwards, we also got the information that one section of the committee representing one of the conflicting communities had decided to withdraw from the uh, Boko Inter-Ethnic Peace Committee. And so that stalled the operation 
of the Boko Inter-Ethnic Peace Committee. And then from then on, sporadically, we hear uh, some target killings uh, and so on and so forth. So it's a very disturbing situation. Well, the Peace Council is now calling for a ceasefire from both sides. I also belong to that co that community. So these are my own people. Any person who is killed around us is my own kind, or my own brother who's, who, who's been killed. The chief imam also connects to very much with that com com community. And any person who is killed there is either a son or a grandson to the national chief imam. And I use the voice of the national chief imam to call on the people of, of Boko. They must consider, because they are largely Muslims, and I want to call them to look at the spirit of peace as established in, the, in, the, in our own language. And uh, the greetings that we have that we call, we, we greet Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. They should look at this and look at peace as part of the virtues and values of Islam. And one, silence the gun, break the cycle of vengeance, sound more conciliatory. Let's explore opportunity for negotiated peace and through, through, through dialogue so that as we do so, we'll be able to reach. But I want to call on all of them that we are from down here. We want to call on them that we join them in the pain that they are going through, but that let's also through together. You know, last week we got the an accurate picture of the situation on the ground from the security chief himself, mm -hmm. the chair of the Municipal Security Council, uh, uh, Amadou Hamza, who declared Boko the most dangerous mm -hmm. conflict zone in the world. Mm -hmm. And he says that knowing full well what is happening uh, between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and he said Boko is the most dangerous conflict uh, area in the world. Listen to him tonight, adding his voice to the calls for peace. It is time for us to put politics aside and face it and say that, look, Kusasis are our fathers and our mothers. Mampushis are our fathers and our mothers. There's a need for us to come together. Look, if you read the wording in Article 35 plus 5 of the 1992 Constitution, the Constitution therefore enshrines, and it is trying to ensure that the people of Ghana live in harmony, they coexist together, irrespective of whether your tribe, your race, I mean, your social standing, your economic status, it is not the case that Kutasi should be treated differently, Makrushi should be treated differently, Moshi should be treated differently. It is the case that we must work together to ensure there's lasting peace. And that is exactly the reason why I, from the beginning, was fighting that the segregation of the market shouldn't happen. I'm not doing that to benefit anybody. I want Mampushis and Kutasi to be in the same market, okay. and I want them to be trading and talking to each other every single day. That is the, that is the only thing that can bring the broker peace between the two factions. So that's the worried MC there of the area. But what's the intervention of the National House of Chiefs in this uh, particular conflict that's dated back to all the way to 1951? My colleague Samuel Kujo Brace joins us in the studio. He's been checking on the National House of Chiefs. Brace, you've been speaking with the reps of the National House of Chiefs. How concerned are they to start with? So I've been speaking to the president, Ojiaho Hoya Ojibi II, and he feels troubled. He tells me that they have because of what's happening in Boko, you know, fashioned the meeting on Thursday mm -hmm. to decide on what the National House of Chiefs can do uh, to bring about peace in the area. If you listen to the tone of, of his voice, mm -hmm. the house seems very concerned and that's why they're meeting on Thursday to decide what to do. He says when they meet on Thursday, then the house could determine what they as chiefs could also do in this whole thing. It's, it doesn't look good, and so they are very worried. Mm. Mm. But how soon, really, is uh, the concern as to when we can expect an intervention from the chiefs themselves after this particular meeting? So he says everything will be clear after Thursday when they meet. Okay. That's when 
they will come out with what they intend to do. So Thursday, we'll hear from the House of Chiefs as to the direction that they want to take to resolve this matter. Okay. Samuel Kojobri is there giving us details on the intervention or the form of shape that it will take from the National House of Chiefs um, approach, really. Well, suggesting an approach to end the crisis, security consultant Professor uh, Chrissy Enini's uh, urgent stakeholders working to restore peace in Boko to ensure that the proposed solutions are free from any political interferences. He spoke on the AM show. This Boko crisis has been the extreme politicization of the resolution interventions. So if it's party A that is in power, their approach to resolving the conflict is different from party B. But the root of the conflict is the same. And therein lies my argument earlier that when the root of a conflict becomes overlooked, it festers, becomes intractable, then others begin to exploit it for their pecuniary ends. That is what we are seeing in, in um, so we need we 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 need to take the politics out of understanding what the problem is. We are not looking this properly because it is easier for us to claim it is Kusasis and Mam, it is Chief Tansi, it is the youth, blah 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 blah. Okay. This latest incident, I think one AK forty seven was retrieved. Where did they come from? Where are the leakages coming from? If we also take the last eighteen months. My argument still is that the unfortunate people caught between this violence. It's not because of extremists, but it's because of criminal networks seeking to challenge, undermine, expand their territory. Okay? We can put all this into the mix and come up with some solutions. But this tunnel vision of ethnic conflict, of chieftaincy struggles about land, blah, 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 that won't take us anywhere. My assessment right now is that there are way too many stories and too many interest groups interpreting what has taken place for particular ends. So we would need to take a step back very quickly. And I think we have the institutional framework for this, particularly the National Peace Council, to quickly meet all the parties and to ensure that the truth is put out into the public domain. Well, we can now hear from the Deputy Director, Policy Monitoring and Evaluation of the Small Arms Commission, especially as to where these sophisticated arms are coming from and how the people get access to it. Well, J.B. Asante says the only way the tensions can subside is if the indigents actually give up their arms. No. So as, as a commission, as, as a secretariat, we do not retrieve weapons from the system. So like I said, that the commission consists of other security, security mm. agencies. And that is what the police and the military are doing. They are on the ground, making sure that sanity and peace um, prevail. But a commission as a secretariat, you know, we do not wield weapons, so we cannot just go into a community um, with this kind of situation to retrieve arms, even to find them. So that is one of the challenges that we have. And you see, uh, uh, until the people of Boko themselves agree, or comes to the realization that they need to put the weapons down and begin to talk peace. It is very difficult, very, very difficult. You spoke to um, the doctor who had done a lot of research. He told you about how porous our borders are, the number of unapproved routes that we have. See, it is very difficult for the security agencies to be along all these borders. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, the weapons have already infiltrated into the Boko 
um, community. And that is what is being used to cause um, these mayhem. So we need the people of um, Boko really need attitudinal change. We need to do a lot more engagement. We need to engage with them. And like the earlier speaker said, you know, what Eltunfo has started to do, we all need to support him. We all need to see how best we can support them to get the two factions together to come and dialogue, mm. to understand, to let bygone to bygone. Well, if you live in Boku tonight, let's hear from you. 055-11-11997. How is this affecting you there? And MFA, we've had some horrifying stories because, as you know, the uh, public servants have deserted mm -hmm. the town. Teachers have left. Hospitals do not have enough nurses and doctors in there. This is having real-life impact on people. There. I want to hear from those who are left in the town uh, tonight. Talk to us. Send us your messages uh, on Zero five five one 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 nine nine seven. That's our WhatsApp console. We get into the election headquarters now. Since your election headquarters is always brought to you by Petrosol, Petrosol clean fuel in full quantity. And in just about 11 months um, to the crucial December 7th general elections and the lobbying for the vacant NPP running mate's position has intensified. While pressure continued to mount on flag bearer and vice president Dr. Mahmoud Baumia to make a decision. Well, today we're hearing from Joe Gatti who contested Dr. Baumia for the flag bearership slot and lost. He's cautioned the vice president not to bow to the pressure. The outgoing member of parliament for Isikado Ketan constituency and former railways minister, also former attorney general, has challenged Dr. Baumia to show his strength and not to rush to make a decision. Mr. Gatti has ruled himself out of the race to become the running mate, but confirms the party's decision to select a running mate from the Ashanti region. I've been speaking to him for PM Express, which will be aired later tonight. You haven't even considered it? No, I think, I think it's clear that the party has decided where the running mate will come from. I Wh think where that, is that? I think the thinking is that it should come from the Ashanti region. I you agree with that view? Well, I mean, listen, I made a point that um, everything can be sold. What, is a, what does a vice president do? In terms of, not in terms of delivery when he becomes vice president, but in terms of a vice presidential candidate. I think he answers questions that the president cannot answer. And for example, if you think that an economist is somebody that you need to make you whole, then you take an economist, like the way uh, President Kufado took Vice President Balbia. You want a younger person, then you take. So I think that clearly the party will uh, look at it. I won't tell you what the party will be looking at, but for, in my view, the party should not be looking at somebody from the coast. The party should not take somebody from the north and somebody from the coast and combine the two. There are other parts of Ghana that we have to look at. Okay. But if the party So you agree with the Ashanti region view then? I don't disagree with it at all. But if the party wants to look at the coast, I mean Vice President is not something that I crave to be. So I mean I think that the party will choose the best candidate for that. Um when President Kufuado wanted to choose uh, the Vice President Baumia, I remember once we were called to uh, about ten of us were called to um at that time, Dr. Preku's house were used as a sounding board. I mean, if the vice president hasn't talked to me about that yet, but if he asks me, I will give him my opinion and uh, I'll tell him why I think A or B. And so, I mean, we, we just want to look at, uh, and I'm glad that I've heard that he's not going to choose the vice president in January. You know what I'm saying? It's a very serious 
decision and uh, you know you uh, shouldn't rush to make it to make it we're, we're not going onto the ballot sheet tomorrow so you should take his time look at it he has a lot of good people research people and so on and they'll bring up the best you think he's being rushed though because you you follow there is this undercurrent of a very aggressive campaigning going on to catch his eye well, uh, people are now threatening i have kennedy point campaign say if it's not napo i'm not campaigning for the party this week you read stories about other interest groups all coming out saying something about the apathetic candidate. Presidency is a very difficult, lowly and important position. We want a president who is strong. The vice president should not listen to anybody. He should be strong. I'm not saying that he shouldn't take advice from anybody. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But he should be strong, he shouldn't be rushed to take a decision should look at what is available and take the best decision in the interest of the party and the country. I mean, um, I've heard some names. All of them are okay. Uh, but we should look at this a little more. What, what characteristics must that person have, though, for like, in the interest of your party, considering like, like, where you are now? Like, like, like I said, like I said, the vice president answers questions. That's my view. The vice president answers questions. He can answer a geographical question. He can answer an age question. He can answer a gender question. The vice president can answer a political question. He can answer an ethnic question. Mm. So I'm sure that research is going on to see what questions need to be answered. So the vice president just must answer that question, the major question of the day, or the major deficiency in quotes of the candidates. Okay. The person must be an addition, a strong addition. A strong addition must bring in votes. I must not only bring in votes, but must be capable of assisting the president to when he becomes president. You have a unique situation in your party. Mm-hmm. First time you have a Muslim candidate on the ticket. Will that play into the choice? You have to ask the people who are going to make that choice. You know, should that play a role in the consideration? I, I talked about research. You see, politics today has become very scientific. Mm-hmm. Thought about a lot of people. I know that because when we met in Dr. Perkus' house, Dr. Bamia's name was not one of the names that was put forward at the time. They thought about a lot of people. And I mean, when they called us, I mean, I spoke my mind that uh, X, Y, Z, I don't think are suitable. All I can tell you is that when I'm called, or if I'm called to ask what I think, I'll speak my mind. The party, they know me. I speak my mind and my mind sets me free, but I'm not rude. Well, so you can catch that interview um, on PM Express at 9 p.m. on the Joy News Channel. It'll also be available on all our social media platforms and myjoyonline.com. We'll stay a while longer in the election headquarters and no speeches, no camping, no campaigning on election day as the governing New Patriotic Party sets out clear guidelines to govern the conduct of this weekend's parliamentary primaries in over 105 constituencies. Well, General Secretary of the Party, Justin Kudia, says the police have been giving clear directives to arrest and prosecute any person who violates these orders. In all, some 355 individuals are contesting for the slots in constituencies held by the NPP. Justin Kudria has been addressing the media earlier today. There shall be no provision to address delegates or the public by the National Party, any government official, the regional party, the constituency executives, contestants or their representatives on the day of voting. There shall be no campaigning 
canvassing for votes or gathering of party members for the purpose whatsoever a day before voting. So all campaign activities will cease a day before the voting. No delegate shall be escorted to the voting screen except those with mobility issues and with the electoral commission consent. There shall be no campaign of delegates. There shall be no campaign of delegates. No voter shall wear the color of any contestant at the voting center, be it t-shirt, caps, or posters of contestants. Voting shall not take place indoors, but in an outdoor place in full glare of the public. It is an offense for unaccredited persons to enter the voting perimeters. The Electoral Commission and the police shall enforce and adhere to restricting delegates from taking their phones and other photographic gadgets to the voting screen. Any vote that has been shown to the public shall be nullified. Well, ahead of the polls on Saturday, some government officials are jostling for parliamentary slots, but it is a case. Is it really a case of job security or a genuine quest to serve the nation? Elton Broby has more in the following report. The MPP will seek to break the eight electoral cycle with Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Bouamia in December in what is likely to be the most fiercely contested election in the country's political history due to several factors. For some, the uncertain outcome seems to be the driving force behind some appointees of government seeking to find shelter in parliament. The Tanah North constituency in the Hafo region has two heavyweights battling it out. Special Advisor to the Vice President, Dr. Gideon Wakom, is attempting to unseat the Water and Sanitation Minister, Frida Prempe. I'm not coming in because somebody has failed or otherwise. I'm coming in because of what I think I can offer to the people. Honorable Joe Donko came, Honorable Akubo Debra came, Frida Prempe came. None of them, and I can say this without any shred of doubt, because we saw all of it, none of them, proud to their ascension to the seat as members of parliament, had served the party, has served the police station people, has served the constituency, and delivered more projects and opportunities to the young people in this constituency than I have done. And if that is anything to go by, it means my beginning is something bigger. It means the end and the process thereof is going to be something bigger for the constituency. In the Havana North constituency of the Ashanti region, the Director General of the National Disaster Management Organization, Eric Nana Ajiman Prempe, will seek to win the slot. A similar contest is expected in the Asante Akim Central constituency, where the Chief Executive Officer of the National Entrepreneurial and Innovative Program, Kofi Ofosun Gansa, is seeking to unseat the incumbent Kwame Ayimedwenchi. The Deputy Chief Executive Officer of the Middle Belt Development Authority, Vincent Frimpong-Manum, is confident of victory in the Kwadaso constituency. We have shared our message. They have compared the two of us. Even though I'm not MP yet, they've seen all the things that I've been doing for the constituency. And they feel that this is the time for them to make a change. A change that will bring them servant leadership. A change that will bring them development. A change that is transformational. And that is what I am all for. I have been engaging them. We've spoken at length. They know my track record in the constituency. They know my track record in the party. And they know my track record as a development practitioner. And the things that I have been able to do. And they are yearning for me. 
So on 27th, we are confident that we are going to win. We are going to be the victors. Former board member of the Minerals Commission, Dr. Joseph Albert Kwam, is rebounding in the Mansung Kwanta constituency. Uh, I'm number three. This is a clear indication that I'm the winner, signifying Trinity. When I came in 20, 2017, I was able to bring on board 108 projects. I'm just throwing a challenge that when I win, I'm going to make sure that within the first year, all the 10 roads, the contractors will come on board and will make sure that the roads will be tired. In the Greater Accra region, after two failed attempts, Chief Executive Officer of the Free Zones Board, Mike Okwe Jr., is hoping to be third time lucky in the Domeko Abinia constituency. Well, I mean, we're very confident, but at the same time, we are humble to acknowledge that everything is up to God. I contested the first time in 2011. I lost. I didn't contest in 2016 because I didn't want it to look like you are chasing a seat around. I wanted to give ample time for two terms before I came again in 2011, uh, 2020. The incumbent MP, Sarah Dwasafo, is however not going down without a fight and therefore expects a keen contest with Sheila upon Sechi, hoping to pull a surprise. My chances are fantastic because I have just the one message for the Domingo Abenya delegates, that we need a united front to break the eight. We need to take breaking the eight seriously. And they know me, they know I'm ready to serve them with humility, with love, with care, with attention and diligence. In the Mion constituency in the northern region, the former mayor of Tamale, Musa Superior, is in the game. But that is why you don't hear anything about Mion, because we are running a very peaceful campaign, decent campaign, you know. Yes, there are some of our, our, our followers, they get out of the way, we correct them and then we move. If he, if, if he gets the, the job, I'll probably lead the campaign. And if I get the job as a MP, he automatically leads the campaign. So we, we have to be very decent in what, what we do. It is also a battle for supremacy in the Yendi constituency, where the incumbent Farouk Aliu Mahama is facing off with the chief executive officer of Maslok, Hajia Abibata Shani Mahama Zakaria. For Joy News, Elton Brobe reporting. Coming up in business, IMF confident government could avoid election-related overruns if it sticks to program conditions. And how would the Black Stars win tonight against Mozambique? Uh, mean for sale of Jesse and the national flag branded items. We'll be hearing uh, from a football analyst. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Kingdom books and stationers into stanks. And Pep Student, Chuck. You're welcome back to business on Newsnight. Now, IMS says it is confident that government could avoid election-related overruns this year if it sticks to program conditions. They are fear that this administration may not escape the election challenge by spending more than what has been approved in the 2024 budget. Now, this development has led to the country's economic growth post an election. Yes, Stefan Rodet, Zaymer Vision Chief for Ghana, has been speaking from Washington, D.C., USA. We have objectives under the, under the program, both in terms of spending. Those are codified in the, in the budget that was approved by Parliament uh, and, and, and enacted. We have targets, quantitative targets under the program. Uh, performance so far has been good. We hear about the very strong commitment that the authorities uh, have uh, made to, uh, to continue to follow the program uh, objectives. And uh, that makes us quite uh, optimistic, I would say. 
Stefan Rode is the mission chief for Ghana, speaking from Washington, D.C. So what are the expectations of businesses and players in the financial sectors on this IMF deal? Let's hear from the chief executive of the Ghana Association of Banks, John Iwa. Two years ago, we were asking for 12 Ghana cities. We got six, 12 pesos. We got six pesos. And uh, we apologize for uh, that uh, wrong insert. Now, meanwhile, the IMF is projecting that the value of the economy in monetary terms will cross one trillion Ghana city mark in 2024. That is this year. Now, the managing director of the Bulk Oil Storage and Transportation Company, that is Edwin Provencar, that is Alfred Provencar, has retweeted calls for an increment in the post margin on the petroleum price build-up. He maintains that the current uh, nine pesos is not enough to cater for the maintenance and the expansion of the company's depot, especially taking into account consideration of the city's recent challenge against the U.S. dollar. He spoke to Joy Business at the 30th anniversary and Thanksgiving service of the company two years ago we we're asking for 12 Ghana cities we got six 12 pesos we got six pesos and then it was increased to nine pesos uh, as we speak the value of that three pesos is 22 pesos today we are asking for 12 pesos and we are not even asking for all the 22 pesos so we still think that the boss margin is critical to the maintenance of the infrastructure and especially if we have to expand that infrastructure to serve the people of ghana then we need to really make sure that the right thing is done we cannot not ignore the fact that we have infrastructure in the most unprofitable regions in ghana unlike our competitors who are have infrastructure only in tema and accra and uh, that is uh, the uh, managing director of the bulk or storage company, Edwin Alfred Provencar, speaking there. Two other stories, MTN has expressed its commitment to contributing to the growth of the digital ecosystem in Ghana. Chief Digital Officer at MTN Ghana, Dario Bianchi, says the company would continue to help startups to grow and provide them with opportunity to optimize their businesses. He spoke to Joy Business at MTN's Platform Accelerator Challenge Awards. We want MTN to participate to the digital ecosystem and to be a contributor of the growth of digital in Ghana. To the Platform Accelerator, we, we explain to the startups uh, how to use Kinosis, our APIs, how to use Momo, of course, to collect and to receive payments, and of course, more important, how to build a micro app to be placed on Ayoba, our super app. So the, the startups were trained on how to use the APIs, and then they had a few weeks to prepare and actually develop and put live an API. This is the Chief Digital Officer at MTN Ghana, Dario Bianchi. Now let's talk sports because analysts say Black Stars winning tonight and the qualifying for the next stage could impact positively on sales of the national team jersey and also the national team branded items. Now sales in these afternoons haven't picked up that much due to what traders attribute to the national team's performance at the ongoing African Cup of Nations. Tony Orbein, Dr. Tony Orbein is a former GF Association Council member. One of those analysts that we've engaged says that this could also impact positively on the economy going forward. We don't do the, the, the mathematics of all, we don't do the statistics. So we are unable to pinpoint figures to support this. But seriously, football has a major effect on the economy. Um, except that we have not I don't think somebody 
regularly follows or, or pick data on the effect of our sporting activities on the economy. But I think that if you, if you, if you, if you use uh, proxies of other countries, uh, you know, other more organized countries, you will see that these activities have major effect on the economy. Dr. Tony Obing is a former Ghana Football Association Council member and one of those analysts we are engaging on what a win tonight and qualifying to the next stage of the African Cup of Nations will mean for the sale of these uh, black stars of national uh, team branded items and even stretching it on impacting on the economy. And MFI is already in her black stars jesse and uh, oh we are i mean if deep I in the heart we we, we are and we are all praying i mean look at this course nigeria is still leading by a goal we are and uh, if, your heart, if your heart did not break after that Egypt game, you have a heart of stone. They honestly. played mm. well. Mm. They the the played. goals we conceded. Yeah. yeah oh, about the goals. Goals. No, no, I thought the goals we conceded was just uh, just to use uh, Kudu's words. <laughs> Maybe that's even an understatement. <laughs> it's fine. We'll do better tonight. We know definitely we will. It's time for sports and speak of the Black Stars. Yeah. Musbao. Hello, Musbao. Hello, Evans. Yeah. Are we ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are we ready? Well, we're ready. We're, we're definitely ready. It's Ivory Coast who are, who are really, really, really disappointed. Their team in France, three goals to nil. They are down to Equatorial Guinea. You know, it's a must-win game for them. At the moment, haven't lost. Uh, they now have three points in third place. They're just hoping that all other things will work out for them and be able to qualify as among the third best place teams in the tournament. But in the other game between Nigeria and the Guinea-Bissau, Nigeria leading that game, one goal to nil. And if things end this way, then Nigeria actually going to um, end the group with uh, 4.5 points in second place. And it's Equatorial Guinea who will leading the group over there. So, um, yeah, Nigeria will end the group in second place with seven points, rather, with Equatorial Guinea topping that group there. So that's what's happening. But later tonight, um, the Black Stars will be in action and uh, they're going to be having to... Uh, play uh, Mozambique in their final game and here in Ghana in the greater Accra region my colleague Kenneth Jesse visited Nima the bad place of the star boy black star talisman himself Mohamed Kudus and the fans there are confident of victory Defeat to Mozambique means the Black Stars will definitely be out of the Africa Cup of Nations in Ivory Coast, unless results from the other teams in the group go our way. We're in Nima, the birthplace of the poster boy of Black Stars, Mohamed Kudus, to ask football fans what do you think the chances of Black Stars are ahead of the game against Mozambique? Do you think the Black Stars can beat Mozambique tomorrow and qualify? If the coach did the right by putting in the right players at the right positions. Because uh, Nike Williams used to, we used to watch him at Atletico Bilbao. He used to strike from the wings. But now we are seeing a different things altogether. And doing the right thing, we are going to beat Mozambique. Um, the next game we will win, no matter what. Ghana is qualifying by the grace of God. I right. think we are qualifying. But less grace, Ghana also win by two goals today. We are winning by two goals today. We are going to win two nil. We are going to win two nil. And Kudus, Mohamed Kudus is going to score, inshallah, by the grace of God. Kudus, yes, they are doing the Kudus side. Hey. The Kudusai. Kudus. 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 K
Right, so those are fans of the Ghana Black Stars here at Nima, the birthplace of Kudus and other fantastic players who play in the Ghana national team. They are hopeful that the Black Stars will come out victorious against Mozambique. We're all praying for that to happen. So from Nima in Accra, Kenneth Jesse for Joy News. Yeah, so that's uh, some fans in Nima there. Well, um, the head coach of the Black Stars, Chris Eaton himself, has been speaking ahead of the game, and he says the boys know exactly the tax at hand today. The goal before we scored, of course, was from a, from a set play, from a corner, which is an area that we hadn't scored too many goals from. So uh, it doesn't really matter where the goals come from. We prepare ourselves the, the exact same way, going into this game as the last game and the last game. And um, if... If it means that one individual scores, if it means that we score from a free kick or a penalty, the most important thing is that we get the win that, um, that we need to give us an opportunity to s still be in the competition. Uh, Chris Eaton over there. Well, the update I'm getting, Evans, is that uh, Ivory Coast, the host nation, are now down by four mm. goals to nil against Equatorial Guinea. It's a big, big, big shocker over there. And um, just uh, also picking hints that the fans in the stadium are misbehaving a bit. And you can understand the frustration in the fans. It's the same state on the Black Stars were playing in an hour from now. Mm. It's an Afghan of shockers. And the Black Stars will shock tonight. So, yeah. you know, yeah. in uh, football analysis, the last thing you do is to give us your prediction. Mm -hmm. What's your prediction for tonight? Oh, we're going to win. I've, I've been predicting the whole day. Yeah, a three yeah, yeah. Nil win for the Black Stars. 3 0. Yeah. Against Mozambique. Yeah, against Mozambique. 3 0. It's the least who scored today. Three it's 2 1. That gives us four points. Yeah, four points. Four points. And if Kibveda... But to do that, to we need to fix our defence. Yeah, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Tonight, the boys Is are Prof ready. Prof in there? Yeah, he's going to be there. He's oh, going to okay. be starting, definitely. Prof, he's going to be starting. Yes. <laughs> Kudus is playing. Yeah, Kudus is going to start. He's, he's definitely going to start. He's a star boy. You can bench him. He's got to start. And uh, the head coach of Mozambique has been making some very funny comments. He says Ghana does not have peace of mind, so they're going to make sure they disturb them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see okay. if they'll succeed at that. Yeah. You know, when the elephant falls, every animal hits it. Exactly. So it looks like that's what is happening to the Black Stars. But you see, the today, this evening, we will win. But let's get onto the labor front now. <laughs> And tonight, uh, the strike by the Senior Staff Association of Public uh, Universities in Ghana has intensified, impacting the country as some teachers have deserted classrooms and healthcare services at the University of Cape Coast Hospital. It remains suspended. Well, members at the KNUST Hospital and the University of Ghana Hospital are indicating that they will be the next to suspend services if the government does not address their demands for improved conditions of service and the release of their Tier 2 pension funds. We'll hear from them shortly, but first, in the last two hours, the teachers and and Educational Workers Union, TEU. They've also declared a nationwide strike in solidarity with the Senior Staff Association of Public Universities in Ghana. Maxwell is in the studio with me. Maxwell, give us the details. Yes, Evan. TEU says it is noteworthy that the demands for Tier 2 pension payment and the restoration of payments of stopped agreed allowances were among the issues listed in their petitions to the NLC in October 2003. TEU of TUC says it is by this statement calling on its members in the 
public universities to join the ongoing strike in solidarity and especially on the non-payment of tier two pension contributions by government that is outstanding for nine months. Mm. months. So this is expanding, going beyond exactly. the initial strike that we saw last week. Yeah. Already, uh, we are beginning to understand the impact this is having on the public universities across the country. We start tonight uh, from the Greater Crowd region at the University of Ghana, where teachers at the university's basic school did not teach and essential services provided by members suspended. Kennedy, see who's more in this report. The Senior Staff Association of the various public universities strike began on January 17th. At the University of Ghana campus Monday, the industrial action was in full force, with members vowing not to return to their various duties until their demands are met. Wanda Casa Cross is a tier two. Everybody will go on pension. Everybody will go on pension. And and if we are going to sit to grow old, go on pension, even as we are active now, who is listening to us? Then if you go on pension, who will listen to you? So this is the time to fight. To let management and the bodies, the, the powers that be, to understand that they shouldn't wait for us to go and, and be beggars for serving the nation. The association, together with the Teachers and Educational Workers Union, TEWU, is however unhappy some of their members flouted their directives and cautioned them to desist from such acts or face the consequences. Initially, when we came, the place was locked. So we, we came here. This is the second time that the place opened. We came to meet one of our staff here. And we are asking her, I mean, religiously, she should leave and go and rest at home. We have said a thing, as we said, any worker who thinks that he's bigger than the union, the owner will not have it easy for that person at all. So we are asking her, as you can see, she's believing. We came with our bus. We will let her sit inside and we'll drop her at the gate there. Then she proceed to the house. The strike, which has since expanded to include the Teachers and Educational Workers Union, has also affected the University of Ghana Basic School. The Senior Staff Association and Tewu won they will force their members at the University of Ghana Hospital and the Security Department to also withdraw their services if their demands are not addressed. Well, on the KNUST campus, teachers at the university basic school boycotted class to among others demand better conditions of service. Emmanuel Baikwik monitored the situation. Here's his report. Few days into the industrial action by the university senior staff association, the impact is telling on the KNUST campus. Members and the association took to the streets of the campus and thronged the administration office to vent their displeasure. Basic school teachers, security and library personnel and other administrative officers have abandoned their duties in demand for the restoration of their overtime allowances and payments of tier 2 pensions. Nana Bediakobaye is the secretary of the Senior Staff Association at KNUST. Our demands are also very important to us. We have to balance work and whatever we get from the work and that is why we are on strike. Yes, we know that most of the teachers at the KNUST Basic School are currently at home. We know the security personnel are currently at home. We know the library staff are currently at home. We know that most of the departments, the workers there who are senior staffs are at work. What we are saying is that the government should listen to us so that we go back to work as soon as possible.
Well, this is beginning to take its uh, a full toll. We're beginning to uh, monitor and understand the impact as the agencies meet to try and resolve it. Just before we go, so Ghana's laws from uh, frown against fornication and adultery. Uh, that is why mistresses or side chicks may find it difficult to pursue compensation or damages against married partners in court. Now, lawyers say our legal system values the sanctity of marriage and so the courts prioritize family preservation viewing extramarital affairs as illegal. Private legal practitioners uh, Gertrude Amoko Ama and Richard Obin Mensa highlight the complexity in proving damages or legal grounds in such cases on the law on Sunday. Not be against a particular law or the letter of a particular law. But like I'm saying, the other leg of these contracts that are illegal are the bunch of contracts that may be contrary to public policy. Okay. So you may not expressly find a law that says that you cannot be someone's paramour or you cannot be someone's mistress or what have you. But the notion or the idea that this arrangement is one that is promoting sexual immorality, fornication, like the judge said, between a married party and you know some other person outside of that marriage and the the consideration or that agreement is being entered into purely like the judge noted in his ruling purely on the basis of sexual favors or sexual activities or things that are incidental to that that is a clear example of something that is contrary to public policy the law would not enforce a contract that seeks to promote immorality this issue that we are talking about is not marriage it's either fornication or adultery mm. so even in a Ghanaian society we cannot even use married organized and customary law to support it because even when somebody wants to go beyond a wife, the law requires that even the second one, it should not be a side chick, but you have to marry the person. That is, you are going under the customary law. Because even when somebody wants to go beyond a wife, the law requires that even the second one, it should not be a side chick, but you have to marry the person. That is, you are going under the customary law. The objective of that law is not to encourage fornication or adultery. That is why. You only work within the premise of the hand, even the other people, they have been married as wife. Mm. So they will not be referred as side chicks, but they will be referred as wives. Right. Which is, which is totally different from the one that we are uh, 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 dealing with. Side chicks are in trouble tonight. Mm -hmm. Side chicks and what's the side chicks business in court and all that though. But really, that's the a, a, a concern. Mm. So to be wise. it's free to play.